is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 567, recorded on Monday, February the 7th, 2022. It's a funny number, Jason. It's 567. It is a funny number, Chris. It's 567. <laughs> I mean, usually you point these things out, but I, I stepped all over you today and, and went for it myself. You see, those numbers are in sequence. It's a five, and then uh, you know, the five plus one is six, and then six plus one is seven. So it's it's a it's a sequence of numbers. Short. I mean, only three digits, and it doesn't start right at the beginning. It starts uh, somewhere near the middle of our ten number system, but it uh, starts at five, and then it goes to six, and then uh, you'll be surprised to hear this part, Chris. But then it goes to seven. What? <laughs> what? Wow. No. That's amazing. Well, it's it's a sequence of numbers and it starts with a five and it ends in a seven. So very, very exciting stuff. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, for joining us today. This is going to be our last podcast before The Walking Dead returns for season eleven mm-hmm. B. So that doesn't mean that we're gonna phone this one in or anything we got lots to do on this show and i'll tell you what that is right now we are going to talk about two not one but two pollyanna mcintosh movies that we Uh have watched or at least i hope we have we are also going to do some walking dead news because there's some exciting stuff there to talk about and we're going to start with two calls from listeners so how do you feel about all that jason i i feel surprisingly good about all of that surprisingly eh all right That's exciting. Let's do it. All right. Well, this first call here comes from listener Lucy. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Lucy, um, originally from Australia and now in Germany. Just listening to your recap of the season 11 part two trailer and um, just had a thought with Pamela Milton talking about her father. Um, We've met someone named Milton before. That was the governor's, like scientist guy um, that was running those experiments. I don't know if he would have been old enough to be her father, but maybe, or maybe he's a brother and the father uh, had something to do with everything as well. I don't know. Anyway, it was just a thought. Just thought that's two Miltons and it's not that common a name, so maybe we'll see some sort of connection there. Anyway, love the show and um, looking forward to more and yeah, have a good one. Bye. Thanks, Lucy. So... Two Miltons, Jason. There's a, there's a number of problems, unfortunately, with her, uh, Lucy's theory, though. Um, Milton's dead. First Milton. Well, first Milton is dead, yeah, but that's actually not one of my problems. Uh, my oh. first problem was that I do believe that Milton is younger than Pamela Milton, who is the leader of the Commonwealth. Yeah. I So it can't be her father. Um there was a there's a time change, right? So it's, we got to add six years, but yeah, absolutely, yeah, he's definitely still even even then he's younger. I think so. Yeah. The other thing is that Governor Milton is Pamela Milton. It's her last name. Uh, Milton, who hung out with the governor, not to yeah. be confusing, his name was Milton Mamet. So Milton was his first name. So there's not a a family name connection there either. I'm afraid. Uh, now that doesn't necessarily mean that. It couldn't be like a in-the-family type name, like he was named after someone or something like that. But according to the Walking Dead wiki, Milton, 
from Woodbury was an only child and lost both his parents at a very young age. So he has no siblings either, according to Walking Dead canon. So I don't think there's going to be any uh, relationship, but appreciate the theory, Lucy, and thank you for calling in. I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Like I'm not, I'm not related to Jason Momoa, but uh, we look almost exactly the same. Well, I mean, you kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tattoos Except and everything. For almost everything about us. Uh, you know, if you if you take, you know, him and me and uh, we're both human, you know, that's true, right? I think so. I mean, <laughs> well, he can breathe underwater, so I'm not 100% sure, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, so can Aquaman, but luckily Jason Momoa can do it too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it makes filming those movies way easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, thanks, Lucy, for that. Here comes our other call. This one is from Tracy. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Tracy in Ohio. I was just calling in to share that I was watching Tyler James Williams in the new sitcom Abbott Elementary, which was kind of fun to see somebody from The Walking Dead that I really liked as a character, as a different character in kind of more of a light show. But then I was thinking, well, who else can I share this with? Because I don't know anybody anymore who still watches The Walking Dead. So I figured I would share it with you guys because I'm still watching and you guys are still watching and some people listening are still watching. So I'm hoping other people have enjoyed watching Tyler James Williams as well. Thank you, Tracy. So I like how, Jason, you and me are still watching. Tracy is still watching. Yeah. And some people who listen to the podcast are still watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's good. It is very important. Uh, I am glad that that's the case. But I don't really know anybody that uh, that watches the show either. When uh, when I'm on conference calls and they point out the uh, the microphone, yeah, uh, and they say, "I don't do a podcast." So what's the podcast about? It's about uh, the Walking Dead. I can just hear in the back of their mind them thinking, "Oh, that's adorable." <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the guy across the street from me watches because every time I run into him, like out in front of our houses, he asks me about it and. He wants to know what I thought of the latest episode. So I do know he watches. There's somebody else out there. But many, many people I know that did used to watch, including friend of the show, Dave. I don't think he's really on board anymore. He got caught up again. Oh, he did? Uh, because we mentioned, I mentioned to him one at one point that uh, we'd love to have him on the show again. He's like, oh, shit, I remember that show. And he had, uh, I think he went back and uh, he caught himself up. Oh, okay. Well, then we should make that happen. We should, we should. Maybe get his thoughts on the the final season if he uh, if he stays on top of it. Do you remember he was watching World Beyond and he uh, spoiled the fact that uh, Pollyanna McIntosh was coming back? That's right, to you, yeah, yeah. He spoiled it to me. Yeah, so <laughs> way to go, friend of the show, Dave. Yeah, good work. Whom I haven't talked to in a long time, so I really do want the three of us to get together at some point when we can. I call him every morning. I can conference you in. You phone him every morning. Yeah, when we get to the school, I call I uh, I uh, I call the YMCA and uh, he answers the phone, <laughs> and I say Jasper's here, and then uh, he comes to the door because oh. we're not allowed in the school. Oh, that's nice. Okay, well, that's every every morning. I mean, from now on, every morning, make sure you say hi for me. Okay, I will. All right, wonderful. Uh, but back to Tracy's call. She's talking about Tyler James Williams and watching him on a new show. Jason, do you remember who he played on The Walking Dead? I do not. I seem to have, uh, I seem to have wiped my memory of uh, The Walking Dead for some reason, which is really kind of weird, but let's move on. Well, I hope not entirely, but Tyler James Williams played Noah, and he was the guy who 
I think they met up with at that hospital, Grady Memorial Hospital, but then he got eaten while stuck in a revolving glass door. I think, oh, yeah, right. Right in front of Glenn. I think Glenn was standing right there. That was and, the dumpster episode. Was it? I th- or right around that time. That was around the same time, wasn't it? Oh, my, maybe. I don't know. I've, I've forgotten the timeline of things like that sometimes, season to season. But yeah, he got eaten in that glass door. Really gruesome. It was really sad. Everybody liked that guy, and, and then he was gone. So if you are eager for a little more Tyler James Williams, um, watch the show that Tracy mentioned, which I think was Abbott Elementary. I didn't write it down because I'm an idiot, but I think it was Abbott Elementary. If not... Go find Tyler James Williams on IMDb and see what he's been doing lately. Sure. All right. Thanks, you two, for calling in. Those are just a couple of, uh, you know, fun kind of catch-ups I wanted to play. Let's now do our Walking Dead news. The Walking Dead news. Okay, Jason, there is some Walking Dead news. Most of it revolves around... um, Tales of the Walking Dead, the, mm-hmm. the new show that's upcoming, anthology series. And the reason news is starting to come out is because they've been filming it. We talked about last time the fact that they were filming episode one. Well, now they are filming episode two. And this was announced by showrunner Channing Powell when she posted a picture on Instagram of the film slate that said episode two on it. It also listed the director whose name is Haifa Al-Mansur, who has directed uh, things like some episodes of Archive 81, which I think is a show you watched. No. Oh, okay, maybe not. I thought you told me you watched Archive 81. It's on Netflix. Oh, wait, I did, I did. It was great. I'm thinking my brain was going to Warehouse 13, which is completely different. Yeah, Archive 81, I watched it. I thought it was was really good. It, uh, It actually scared me in a few places, which is weird because I watched it alone and that kind of shit doesn't really, scary movies don't scare me, huh. but this kind of did. It kind of freaked me out in a few places. Creepy. Well, all right. That's cool. I've, I've been thinking about giving it a try, but just have no time these days with podcasting and a new dog and work and all the things I do. So it'll be on the list. But um, this director also did the L Word Q, uh, the L Word Generation Q, which is not something I've seen. And some episodes of The Wilds. Now, The Wilds is a show I did watch, actually, from last year, maybe. I believe it was on Amazon. Pretty interesting show. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't know what The Wilds is. A little bit of a um, teenage Lord of the Flies, which I guess I don't really need to say teenage, but uh, a bunch of girls stuck, crash-landed on an island, and, you know, stuff happens. Isn't that the Yellow Jackets? No, it's not Yellow Jackets. It's, uh, it is a similar premise, but uh, The Wilds is a little bit different, and it was out a year before Yellow Jackets. <laughs> oh, well, I watched the Yellow Jackets. Does that help? No, probably not. Okay. Probably not. But, you know, speaking of Yellow Jackets, we had um, a listener, Scott, in Kingston, Ontario, write in, and he wants to know if we'd ever cover Yellow Jackets on the podcast. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of something I'd like to do at this, you know, at some point, but currently I've only seen the first episode and with Walking Dead coming back really soon, there's obviously no time. So how would you feel if we penciled that in for the next hiatus, a little Yellow Jackets talk? Uh, yeah. Okay. Just a little, just a touch of it, touch of Yellow Jackets. I mean, one episode, I don't want to go through every one, but we'll do like a, a podcast on the whole first season or something like that. Sure. Okay. 
I, I think that might be fun to do. But anyways, um, this director, Haifa Al-Mansur, did The Wilds, which is a different show. And other directors coming up on Tales of the Walking Dead are Deborah Campmeyer, Tara Nicole Ware, and Walking Dead regular Michael Satrasimus. So they're bringing in some of the big guns, of course, and uh, we look forward to that. Awesome. Now, continuing on with Tales of the Walking Dead, they have made uh, a first group of cast announcements. And there are some pretty interesting names in this cast list, Jason. Uh, I don't know if this is all for the same episode or if these people are spread out across various episodes of the show, but there's some good acting chops in here. So the Can first, I guess? yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I got uh, on my list uh, of top three people that I would like to see on, uh, on this show. And I'm hoping is in the list you're about to announce, but okay. I'm looking at uh, Bob Odenkirk. I'm looking at Zoe Bell and uh, I'm looking at uh, Beyonce. Okay. Well, you know what? One of them, you're not too far off. You got the last name, right? Okay. <laughs> Do you think it's Odenkirk or Bell? Because Beyonce doesn't Lake, have a last name. Is it Lake name. Bell? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell? I don't, I'm running out of bells here. No, it's somebody named Jillian Bell. I don't know that one. Now, Jillian Bell, we'll start with her. Uh, she has apparently done tons of voice acting for TV and a bunch of small roles in live action stuff like 22 Jump Street and Office Christmas Party and Bill and Ted Face the Music. I must admit, I don't know her very well, but she has been announced as a character on Tales of the Walking Dead. I forgot that Bill and Ted Face the Music existed and that I had not seen it yet. Are you going to, are you planning on watching it? I, you know, uh, at one point I was interested in watching it. Okay. Even well, though I can't watch the original Bill and Ted anymore. It's tough, I know, but it. Bill and Ted Face the Music was all right. Like, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I would put it on again in the background if I needed something to uh, fill the silence. You know what I mean? Fair enough. All right. All right, back to the top of this list. Uh, Parker Posey. You remember oh, Parker Posey? I do like Parker Posey. You might remember her from the Lost in Space TV show, like the newer one, not the original. I don't think she's old enough for that. Uh, she did a couple episodes of Search Party, but it was way back in season one. And I don't really remember her, but IMDb doesn't lie. So she was on Search Party. I just watched Search Party. And, and uh, update for the people that give a shit. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I, w I watched all of Search Party. I went back after that discussion we had and finished it off. And one, two, two word review, three word review. <sighs> that's not a word. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's all right. Well, that was kind of four. <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Parker um, Posey was in Search Party? Apparently in season one early on. I'd have to go back and double check. Look that up. Yeah. She was also in all those Christopher Guest movies, like Best in Show and stuff like that. Uh, I think she's pretty well known for those. But now she's going to be well known for Tales of the Walking Dead, if all goes well. Yeah. Well, she was in, uh, she was in Superman, that one Superman movie. Which one would that be? Uh, Brandon Routh. Oh, Superman Returns. Yeah, Superman Returns. She was the best part of that whole movie. Who'd she play in that? She was uh, Lex Luthor's. Uh, she might have might have been Miss Tessmacher, but it was she was Lex Luthor's uh, sidekick. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Forgot about that one. 
So, but hey, Parker Posey's been around, and I think she'll be a recognizable face on this show. Oh shit, that was her. Okay, I'm looking at the first season of uh, of Search Party, and I knew I recognized that actress. I'm like, I know who that is, but it didn't really click. And it turns out it was Parker Posey. What was the character's name? Do you have it in front of you? She had the store uh, where the uh, uh, the main character, what's her eyebrows, went to the store uh, because of the locket, and the store would turned out to be a front for a cult. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, that's her. All right. She ran the store and was in that cult. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, there you go. Parker Posey, welcome to the Walking Dead universe. Okay, the next person, Jason, who's been cast is a guy I know you know by the name of Terry Crews. Oh, Terry (laughs) Crews. You will recognize him, of course, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine or maybe Deadpool 2, uh, Arrested Development, and if you go back a little bit more, he played the president in Idiocracy. Oh yeah, that was a that was a great movie. I really liked Idiocracy. It got panned, but uh, I I really kind of enjoyed it. The funny thing is, I don't know anybody that doesn't like that movie. Like it's it's genuinely funny, and uh, I mean a little bit frightening because now we're living in that. But you know, it came out <laughs> yeah. what twenty years ago, maybe more. It was in uh, his first acting credit was Training Day. I remember that Terry Crews. Terry Crews, he was uncredited. He did, uh, I, you, do, do you remember Training Day at all? Don't think I've seen it. He was in the hood and uh, he was clapping his hand and the pigeons were doing backflips as he was clapping his hand. So he was flipping pigeons. I don't know what that is exactly and how that works, but uh, that's what he was doing in that movie. It sounds like an insult if you said that. You're such a pigeon flipper. Like- he was flipping <laughs> pigeons. That was his first acting role. Uh, Terry Crews is a personal hero of mine. Well, there He's you go. He's amazing. And he loves Lego. Does he? Yeah, he does it with his kids. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. All right. Well, there you go, man. Terry Crews is going to be in the show, too. All right. Let's keep it going here. That's crazy. Wait a minute. Okay, this uh, this just hit me full in the face. How is that possible? (laughs) What do you mean, how is that possible? I don't know. I just, he's he's too awesome to be in the show. What, uh, I'm not sure exactly. I got mixed emotions here. Dude. He's a personal, I really, really like him as as, as a personal uh, hero of mine. He's, he's fantastic. But, uh, again, we look very similar. I don't know uh, how to describe it exactly. <laughs> you. How, you know, he and, uh, Jason Momoa, muscular guys, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, again, once again, we have human in common and that's about it. That's <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, he's another human. He's going to be on here and I'm glad to hear you're, you're so pumped about it. I'm excited. I mean, maybe this show is, is right up your alley made for you, man. Maybe. All right. So next, we got another person. You will know him as Anthony Edwards. Will I? Okay. Anthony Edwards from Designated Survivor, also from ER, long-running ER, and of course, the role that made him famous, let's be honest, Goose on Top Gun. Okay. I didn't know his name. Yeah, I I know Goose. I know Dr. Green. There you go. He's the first guy to say shit on uh, broadcast television. Really? Yeah, when he had uh, in ER, he uh, it was after like just shortly after ten o'clock, he was able to get away with it. But uh, uh, broadcast, and I think it was NBC or whatever ABC or whatever those uh, one of those networks. Yeah, uh, back in the nineties, he uh, he yelled the word shit on TV. That's awesome. Did that show? Do you know if that show ER aired at ten or aired at nine? Because I, I could see them doing like a nine o'clock and they go over time a minute or two just to fit the shit in. Yeah. It could something, be. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. 
I went back and tried to watch ER, like from the beginning. It's on uh, Prime or one of those streaming services. Yeah. Uh, Crave or Prime or something like that. Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, it's just, it's too far in the past, right? Right. Because they were uh, they kept sending people for uh, 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 blood oxygen levels, right? They kept like uh, we needed to do a, a blood ox test, and they would uh, they would draw blood and send it off to the lab to do friggin' blood oxygen level. Now you just stick a thing on your finger, and it gives you the reading immediately. You can buy it at the drugstore for like twelve bucks. Yeah. So right? so it's it's hard it's hard to watch it when it's like okay you're drawing blood for that come on. Technology has changed too much. You're in the Stone Age. And people are just wandering around the ER. It's just like people show up and they're in their frigging exam rooms. Like, uh, I don't think so. No, probably not. Well, I've never watched a single episode, so I guess I shouldn't start now. But anyways, Anthony Edwards, Tales of the Walking Dead. Yeah, good. I really like that guy. All right, we already talked about Jillian Bell. The last one here is another person I'm not too familiar with, but I have seen the name before. And that's Poppy Liu, uh, L-I-U is how the last name is spelled. Now, she was on Hacks, the recent TV show, which I've heard really good things about, but haven't watched. She also did a few episodes of Better Call Saul, another really good TV show that I have watched, and something on Hulu called Dollface. So I don't know if you know Poppy Liu, but she's coming on Tales as well. I'm looking at pictures and I got nothing. All right. Well... That's the five. Those are the five people that have been announced for this show. Like I said, I don't know if they're all in the same episode. They probably aren't, to be honest. They're probably spread out across a bunch of them. But, you know, that's a good list. I think it's a pretty good starting list. Yeah. Don't know. That seems pretty solid. It, it's going to be the love boat, right? I mean, uh, the whole idea behind this is to have different characters every week. Uh, and so you get popular people just coming through on a regular basis. So it's 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 your fantasy island. It's your... Uh, it's your love boat. It's just, uh, it's a celebrity of the week kind of show, I think. Yeah. I mean, it could be. They get a celebrity in every, or a, like a big cameo in every week. I hope it doesn't just become that, of course, but. No, I'm sorry. You're misunderstanding me. You're thinking that I'm dissing the show because it's uh, it's similar to The Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Those are <laughs> fucking great shows and I'm all on board with that. You know, that's, that's funny. There's another show that's just uh, started on Netflix that si- sounds similar to that. It's um, uh, Will Arnett, and it's something about murder. I can't think of the title right now. I started watching the first episode. It's like uh, it's like Detective Seattle, and the first uh, he's a, a hardened murder detective, murder police, and uh, every week uh, a different celebrity comes in to uh, to ride along with him yeah. as themselves. Right. So the first one is Conan O'Brien. Right, and it's. I don't think it's very scripted. Like, I think a lot of it is improv and I'm not sure even the celebrity comes in knowing really what the premise of that episode is going to be. So that sounds kind of interesting to me, but like, what was your take on the first one? I, uh, I watched about 10 minutes of it and I'm like, I, I figured I'd not never go back to it. I'm surprised it came out, frankly. Okay. So you watched 10 minutes and turned it off cause you didn't like it? I think it's uh, it's a little too wishy-washy. I mean, Conan O'Brien is playing himself, but yet he is a uh, an actual detective uh, right. in the police department uh, or uh, uh, a uniformed police officer, anyway. But he's also Conan O'Brien, and they, you know, he asks uh, Will Arnett asks him, "What have you What have you done before?" And he's like, "Well, I've done some entertaining." <laughs> right? See, that sounds funny to me. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's Will Arnett. You know, thumbs up. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's got celebrities. It's got the you know the giant ginger guy of uh, of Conan O'Brien. You know, that's okay. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, but uh, I I couldn't I, I couldn't do it. It was too much. They asked me to suspend my disbelief a little much because we had actual Conan O'Brien playing Conan O'Brien, being a police officer as Conan O'Brien, talking to Will Arnett, who's not Will Arnett. Uh, in and I'm supposed to believe that they're going to be investigating a police, uh, investigating a murder, and it's up to the celebrity guest to determine the killer. That's what the the splash card at the beginning says that, uh, or the description says that the, uh, the they'll be investigating a murder, but the the but the celebrity of the week has to determine who is the killer. Got it. Maybe if I watched an entire episode, I'd be qualified to give an opinion, but I could not get there. Okay. All right. I mean, I might give that a chance. It it makes me think of, uh, just to continue off on the tangent a little bit, like Conan O'Brien playing a version of Conan O'Brien, sort of like how um, Anthony, no, uh, what's his name from the White Castle movies? Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's got uh, he's got three you mean names. Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser playing a version of Doogie Hauser in uh, that film, right? James Earl Haley. No, uh, <laughs> three names. Yeah, but like he's he's playing himself, but not really yes. himself. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, he's absolutely not himself. He just uses his name in those White Castle movies. He's just he's absolutely not. Um, Where the fuck that guy is? Now you you made me throw <laughs> up a wall. I can't figure it out. Uh, Barney. Not Barney. Barney on How I Met Your Mother, right? Yeah, Barney, how I... <laughs> Luckily, the internet is alive and well. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, that guy playing a version of himself is like Conan playing a version of himself on the Will Arnett show that's on Netflix that... Uh, how did we even get there? I don't remember. <laughs> he, well, they're, uh, you were saying Conan O'Brien is playing a version of himself, so the actors are playing a, yeah. uh, a version of themselves. Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, That's God. the one, Neil Patrick Harris. I just watched a YouTube show where somebody went in and put a, a bench in Neil Patrick Harris's uh, backyard around a tree. Like, real life. They did this for him, and I watched it, and I think it's great. I like Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's fantastic. Okay. I think he should be singing, all singing, all dancing, all the time. All right. And home improvement shows on YouTube, apparently. Yeah, that too. Okay. All right. Well, before we wrap up the news here, I've got two quotes from important people in the Walking Dead universe about this casting news. The first one is Scott Gimple. And Scott says, Anthony, Jillian, Terry, Parker, and Poppy are the first wave of singular talents who will further expand the Walking Dead universe into harrowing, hilarious, heartfelt, and horrifying new realms. And we couldn't be happier to welcome them to the family, along with these terrific directors who I mentioned. Oh, holy hell front yeah <laughs> holy hell heartfelt and horrifying new realms hilarious i'm a little worried about the word hilarious in that sentence well here here comes channing powell uh and she said we've worked hard to create unique interesting and unexpected characters for both old and new walking dead fans and i'm thrilled that these are the actors who will bring them to life i can't wait for you to see the depth drama terror and yes humor they bring to the screen so we're going to get a Walking Dead comedy episode. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear. There have been, you know, 
jokes made over the years about an upcoming Walking Dead musical episode, Jason. So if they're going to do it anywhere, they're going to do it on Tales of the Walking Dead. Who knows? Uh, declined. <laughs> well, we're going to have to watch it, but uh, we'll see. You never know, man. You never know. That's a recipe for cancellation. You can't, they can't do that. I think they can get away with anything they want on Tales. That's the thing. That's why they're doing this. Some of them are going to be serious. Some of them are going to be wacky, depth, drama, terror, humor, and musical. That's the one they didn't mention, so I bet you that's the one they're doing. And I was on board with this for a while. But the word <laughs> they just they threw on one word, and it makes me nervous. Listen, I bet Terry Crews can sing. I could see him doing that. You know, you just put Terry Crews in the middle of the screen uh, have him screaming at the top of his lungs, spinning around on a pedestal. I'm all in, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I watched that for an hour. No problem. And I'm sure he could sing. I don't care if he could sing. Uh, him making noises uh, is fine with me. Okay. Well. So, but uh, it's it's the hilarious added to The Walking Dead. Uh, that word, it, it really... Uh, uh, it it raises a red flag. So you you don't even want comedy. Like some sometimes there's comic relief, which is totally different, obviously. But you you wouldn't want like a comedy, uh, full on comedy episode like laugh track and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't hope that doesn't happen. But <laughs> yes, it. I'm worried about uh, you know, yes, comic relief. You know, comedy in there is fine, uh, but. Yeah, having to- a totally having different. a uh, you know a sitcom, a Walking Dead sitcom. I worry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see. It's only um, it's a short number of episodes, like five or six or something like that. So uh, they don't have too many episodes to waste. So we will see. Um, I don't know. We'll find out if they do a comedy and see if your fears are founded or not. Fantastic. All right, that is it for the news, everybody. We're now going to talk about these two Pollyanna Macintosh movies that we've watched. And just to remind everyone, the idea here was we saw her, obviously, on The Walking Dead as Jadis, and then we saw her again on Walking Dead World Beyond. And um, I thought she was really, really good on World Beyond, and it made me kind of go up, go back and look at her past work, and I thought, oh my god, she was in The Woman. This is a movie I'd heard about, but never watched. Why don't we give it a watch? And then I found out there was a sequel. Why don't we give that a watch? And here we are. I also found out that there was a prequel to it at one point, but we didn't watch that one um, for various reasons. So we've got The Woman to talk about, and the sequel Darlin' to talk about, and just before we begin, I do want to acknowledge the, the prequel one more time. It was called Offspring. The IMDb description of that is, Against the backdrop of grisly murders and child abductions, a clan of cannibalistic savages which plague the northeast coast since, uh, since 1858 is after an unexpecting family and their innocent baby girl. Do they have what it takes to survive? And... Kind of based on that alone, I'm like, I'm not sure I want to watch that. But I did also go to the IMDb Parents Guide, and under Sex and Nudity, it lists uh, a woman is forced to breastfeed a cannibal baby. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this movie is going to be for me. Uh, it worried me 
a little bit about what we were getting into with the woman, to be quite frank, because there was some other stuff on there that sounded kind of unpleasant. But uh, I think we made the executive decision, Jason, to pretend that one, well, not pretend it doesn't exist, but just ignore it in this trilogy and move straight into the woman. And I don't know if you looked it up at all, but hopefully you're on board with that decision. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I might go back and watch it. Really? Really? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, okay. So yeah, I, I have problems with uh, kids in danger in movies, uh, and both of these movies had, uh, you know, depicted uh, babies in danger and kids in danger, right? Uh, in, in various uh, degrees, and it didn't bother me at all because I knew it was. Uh, I, these movies, can, if I can spoil my opinion in a little bit, they seemed a little silly. Oh, okay. Well, let's get into it then. So uh, the first one is, of course, the woman. The IMDb description of this one is when a successful country lawyer captures and attempts to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that has roamed the Northeast Coast for decades, he puts the lives of his family in jeopardy. Right. So that's, I mean, that's basically a description of the movie. And we are, as usual, going to probably spoil these films. I don't know how important that is, to be honest, for uh, most people out there, but just as a warning, we will spoil them. Uh, but Jason, you said silly. So is that your sort of primary feeling about uh, about about these films, or, or is there anything more to it? Well, it both of these movies uh, had to do with... Um, you know, injustice on a on a level uh, where somebody somebody feral <laughs> had to take revenge. So uh, on in the first one, it's against this uh, country lawyer who's uh, a misogynistic, uh, wife beating, potentially uh, uh, you know, uh, sexual assault. Uh, children kind of thing. He's obviously treated his family very awfully, and uh, he he sees a woman in the in the woods, and his first instinct is, I'm going to capture her, and I'm going to tie her up, and, and I'm going to sexually assault her, and uh, all under the guise of uh, civilizing her, which is, uh, you know, anyway, uh, and I'm going to make my family participate. Yes. Right. So exactly he's an awful guy. Yeah. And then he gets his comeuppance in the end because we hate that guy and we should hate that guy. And so that guy needs to be taken out and that guy is taken out. <laughs> yeah. We're going to spoil because Pollyanna McIntosh cuts his chest open, pulls out his heart and eats it in front of him or takes a bite of it yeah. and then feeds it to the dog daughter. Right. Uh, well, I mean, she is a cannibal, <laughs> so uh, she wants to eat his heart. Yes. Yeah. So... The, the subject matter was a little bit difficult, but uh, overall it was just uh, nobody made a choice that made any sense in this movie. Not a single person made a choice in this movie that made any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, it starts off with Pollyanna McIntosh as a, uh, all we know is she's, she's a grubby woman who is crawling around and she goes into a wolf cage, a wolf den, sorry, and then attacks the wolf. Uh, and, and the wolf doesn't, it becomes her pet? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a hundred percent clear. Like I, I wrote down here about the beginning that it, it's kind of the cold open of the movie where you're right. This is exactly what happens. She's living in the forest. We don't know what a ending about her again. Maybe we would know a little bit more if we'd watched the first film, but she goes into this cage. We don't see her kill the wolf, but you, you know what happens and it, and you hear it. 
I did actually think this opening scene was really creepy. The way they shot it from inside the cave and she's coming looking straight at the camera and it's all dark and you kind of just see the whites of her eyes and then um, it was unsettling the way she stared at the camera for so long. And I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to get like a really creepy kind of film here. Not so much the gory or the horrific or whatever, but it doesn't end up staying that way. But I did appreciate this, this opening scene a little bit. Thought we were off to a good start. Okay. On the creep factor. I, I didn't understand it. And maybe again, if we would watch the first one, we'd know that she was the last surviving uh, member of a cannibalistic clan that uh, roamed around the Northeast coast. Uh, <laughs> since 1836 or whatever it was, but yep. uh, we'd know that. And uh, they wanted, I read somewhere, uh, I uh, weirdly enough, I was reading a little bit, maybe the IMD description, IMDb, IMDb or Wikipedia description, but they wanted to keep the woman alive at the end of the first movie so that they could have a sequel, which is exactly what they did. She's the right. lone survivor of this clan. She uh, survives, but managed to get, uh, to get kidnapped by this guy who happens to be the perfect uh, person to run across her that uh, instead of like helping her in any way or making contact, uh, he, he catches her in a net, ties her up, and uh, proceeds to uh, treat her really, really badly and get his family involved to treat her really, really badly as well. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't understand her motivations, uh, the woman's motivations, uh, because I didn't see the first movie and it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, feral lady, fine. Cannibal? Okay. Uh, but then his decisions didn't make any sense. Uh, it didn't seem like this is normally what a human being would do, but I know for a fact there's people out there that do exactly this kind of shit uh, because I've been listening to true crime podcasts and there's, uh, there's stuff out there where this, ex this exact kind of shit happens Yeah, where, uh, you know, the wife and kid is involved in kidnapping someone and keeping her captive for years, years. That's anyway, freaky man. It's yes, yeah, horrible. But anyway, uh, the kids, their decisions didn't make any sense. Uh, the wife's decisions didn't make any sense. Uh, the teacher that, uh, that decides to tell her, the family that the, the daughter is pregnant, uh, that decision didn't make any sense. It's like, teachers don't do that. Like it, you protect, anyway, you don't just go and tell the parents, right? Well, That's not something you do. I don't know. I mean, teachers do have some amount of responsibility to, for something like that. Like maybe not in this case, right? Maybe not for a pregnancy, for example, but, um, you know, it, there, there are times when teachers need to inform authorities of something that might be, they've noticed with a student, right? Authorities, yes. Parents, no. Like this, that's, that's the thing. If she has a concern well, with the parents, you go to the, you go to someone and you tell the right person. You don't just go to the parents and, and confront them with, uh, with this kind of news. You talk to the, you talk to the student. You try and help the student. If the student is uh, has is in danger, you run it up the food chain, right? You talk to the principal. Yeah. You get the authorities involved. You you do what you need to do. You take the steps. You don't just show up at the doorstep of the parents and go, uh, "Your daughter's pregnant, dude." Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I I I agree with you, but I also think the the actions of the teacher are the the least problematic thing with this movie, to be <laughs> right, okay. in a lot of ways. Uh, but just to you know, to continue on what you were saying, like none of the decisions made sense. It seemed like that these characters were making, but I also just felt like something was missing here. Now, 
I understand by the end of the film, it's extremely clear that this guy, whose name is Chris, incidentally, is a horrible, horrible person, and he's doing horrible, horrible things. But I, early on in the film, before you really know that, I felt like we were watching something without enough context to understand why he was doing these things, right? Because the movie starts off pretty quickly, and he's out hunting, he sees this woman through the scope of his rifle, and the next thing we know, he's trapping her and chaining her up in the barn. And I'm like, what? Why is he doing this? What possible reason for, could he have for doing this instead of, like you say, going to the authorities, trying to help her, anything like that? It didn't make sense to me, and I didn't understand why he was doing this. Whether or not people like this exist, I felt like I needed to know more and have some context for it. Um, and that was just the first of a long line of things that like, I didn't really understand, you know, even knowing once I found out this guy was a complete psychopath. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I gathered that from almost the beginning when he was looking at her through the scope, he was obviously intrigued because she was topless. Sure. Uh, and then the next thing you know, he's getting his family to clean out his, uh, it wasn't the barn. It was the, uh, the root cellar, cellar or whatever it was. Yep. Uh, so to get in the family to clean out the root cellar and I'm like, oh, I guess he's going to put her down there. Uh, and then, so he captures her and put her, puts her in the, in the root cellar. And I was thinking, okay, so he's an opportunistic, uh, psychopathic, uh, rapist murderer, right? Like he's just, you know, I, I have found somebody who is, uh, untraceable, alone and vulnerable. So I'm going to take advantage. Right. But my, my point is you kind of maybe know that because you might have some idea what kind of movie this is, but if you didn't know what kind of movie this is, I don't see why he is doing this. There is nothing about his past or his history that's revealed or anything about his character that tells me this is the kind of guy that's going to do this in the forest to a woman he finds there. Other than the scene where he does first see her before he even throws the net over her, it has such a strange tone to it. He's watching her through the rifle scope. We get this kind of power pop indie music starts playing, you know, which I thought was an okay tune. Uh, and he does this thing where he's looking through the rifle and then he, you know, he moves off from the rifle so we can see his face and he has this funny look on his face. And instead of his reaction being, what the hell? Uh, maybe I should call the police. I felt like he had this, oh my God, look at this hot naked chick in the forest. Like, I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with this film? Like, it, the tone is so weird for the subject matter that we're looking at here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he just got completely enthralled by this hot naked chick in the woods, uh, so much so that he uh, felt the need to uh, kidnap her. But- but why? That's what I'm wondering. Like how and why? I, I don't know. So um, it, it was a weird start to this movie for me for all those reasons. Once it becomes clear what, what he's doing, again, I never really understood why other than that he wants to civilize her. Um, but we get into all of the horrible, you know, witnessing all of the horrible stuff that he inflicts on this woman and arguably just as bad inflicting on his own family, right? By sort of forcing them to participate in his capturing and torturing of this poor woman. Yeah. You know, and that's 
to me, I'm feeling like this is, this is almost as bad, you know, as what he's doing. It's just bad slightly differently. Uh, yeah. So he was an awful human being. Awful, awful human being. Um, what did you think about the idea that, well, the, the fact in the movie that, you know, he goes in and he rapes her while she's chained up to the wall. And if that's not bad enough, the movie shows us that his son is watching this happen through a hole in the door. Yeah, people, yeah. Like, because everybody has peepholes everywhere, right? Like, that's just the way, uh, you know, way everybody is. Like, you have peepholes in your house, right? So you can watch a dog. I'm not sure what. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, peepholes, also known as cameras, so I can watch the dog <laughs> when I'm not. <laughs> yeah, the, the modern peepholes, none of this, uh, none of this manual peephole bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm just like, like, what were they doing? They're trying to remind us or show us that the son is becoming just as fucked up as this guy, as the father. The father is making the son this way. I think that was one of the, the points of the movies that, you know, the son is just equally psychotic and he's learned it all from his dad, I guess. Well, he's being trained by his dad, right? So, I mean, they spent a lot of time uh, making sure that the son, uh, we knew that the son did what the dad said. Right, the dad has dominion over him and yep. says what he should do, what he shouldn't do, and he's responsible for taking care of the dogs, which turns out to be, you know, there's the dog daughter uh, in there as well. So yeah. we find out uh, that was a bit of a surprise. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, it is uh, a bit of a twist at the end. There, he throws the teacher into the into the pen with the dogs, and they don't get her, but the <laughs> the feral daughter that's living in there comes out and gets her. So a bit of a twist. Yeah. It was, uh, it was the only thing that was interesting to me in the whole movie. It's like, Oh, that came out of nowhere. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, there's that at least. Um, so we, uh, so Pollyanna McIntosh is not the last of the clan, right? So, uh, she's the last of the clan, but it's easy to have, uh, to, to make a new feral, uh, cannibalistic person. You just uh, leave them with the dogs for a while, and they will eat humans. Yeah, apparently that's the case. That The guy, the father even says at some point, they're going to have to clean up the teacher's body because the dogs can't eat all that. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't know. So weird. Uh, so it's gruesome. It's gory. Of course, we get the final, like, climactic scene where the woman, Pollyanna McIntosh, is released just at the right time, and she gets her revenge, and she kills the son. She... Chops him in half, I think, with a board. Uh-huh. Well, no, it was a it was a blade. It was a, like a long, big lawnmower blade. Oh, okay. Makes a little more sense then, but she chops him in half. As you said, she kills the the father, reaches in, pulls his heart out, and eats it in front of him. Um, kills the mother as well, because she did nothing to help her, but leaves the daughter of the family, the, the non-feral daughter, alive because she is the one that released her once you know shit started happening and the daughter is the only one that seemed to have any empathy for anybody really in the film for the most part and she's pregnant and the the woman at one point was looking at her and as soon as the first time she saw her she went baby kind of yeah kind so, of so uh, she uh, has you know uh, a pregnancy detector that's just way off the scale uh, you know, being able to look at somebody and know when they're pregnant and, you know, 
pregnancy was a big deal for this uh, this feral group of people, mm-hmm. right? So uh, even in the next movie, it's it's also a big deal. But uh, so pregnancy is 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 an important topic uh, or an important uh, aspect of this uh, this clan of people. So the fact that she was pregnant also made her um, immune to yeah. retribution. Yeah, yeah. So and it was a combination of things. I I absolutely agree. You know, she was the only one that had any compassion. I'm sorry that this ha- is happening. Uh, and then ultimately she releases uh, the woman, and the woman gets to you know eat a heart, which is always a boon. So sure. you have to be uh, you have to be grateful for someone who lets you loose so that you may eat a heart. Yeah, you do absolutely. Um, but I thought overall the sort of big climax here, where everyone gets their their comeuppance, was was okay. You know, for a for a gory kind of uh, movie like this, <laughs> I thought it was was all right. Um, but I wanted to ask you this, Jason. Does does the like how much understanding of really what's going on does the woman have? Right. Um, the, there's the there's a scene where the husband is washing her right? Early on when mm-hmm. they first get her and his wife is watching behind him. And it's implied that, you know, she, the wife is upset by him, like touching her and washing her and stuff like that. So she picks up a board and you think the wife might clobber him with it, but she doesn't. But during the scene we see, and it's kind of implied that the woman seems to understand that the wife, whose name is Belle, she just used the character's name, has a chance to save her at that point and, uh, uh, you know, kill the husband and, and let her go. So I don't know. I mean, I guess by the end of the movie, it's clear that the woman does have some understanding of what's going on. But at that point I wasn't, I wasn't really sure like how much she knew about what was happening to her. You know what I mean? I assume that she had true sight. And I mean that in the Dungeons and Dragons sense. <laughs> of course so- you do. <laughs> Uh, dragons have true sight, which means that, uh, they are aware within a certain radius of themselves. They are aware of absolutely everything that's going on. You cannot be invisible, uh, and get away with it. You cannot sneak. You cannot successfully sneak around a dragon. They are uh, not Tolkien dragons, uh, D dragons, right? Tolkien dragons, uh, obviously hobbits can do whatever the fuck they want. Sure. Especially if they have the one ring, you know, that trumps dragon true sight. Naturally. Anyway, uh, I assumed... Uh, you know, based on uh, her knowing that the that the daughter was pregnant and what the what was in the wife's heart and mind, and uh, I, I assume that she had true sight. She knows everything. All right. You know, within a twenty foot radius, she absolutely knows <laughs> exactly what's going on. She has uh, much like Archer, she has perfect situational awareness. I know you don't know understand that reference, but uh, it's you know the Archer television show. Yep. Yeah, he one of the, he's a drunk. And he's kind of silly, but he's a spy. And his one, uh, you know, towering attribute is that he has perfect situational awareness. He knows exactly what's going on. How many bullets that guy shot? How many, you know, where that guy is, where he's going? Uh, so he's able to to deal with any situation because he just knows exactly what's going around him, on around him at all times. Okay, all right. So pretty handy. It's a very handy thing. I I, I do not uh, have that ability. But uh, I like to think that at least, at the very least, I'm able to pay attention to where the cars are around me when I'm driving. Uh, and it really kind of freaks me out when I lose a car sometimes. You ever drive and it's just like you saw a car and then all of a sudden you don't know where it is anymore? 
well, I, I, I'm probably, but I don't know if I really consciously am aware of what's going on to that level. Well, you know, I stop at a stop, <laughs> probably, yeah. a, a stop sign or something and I see a car out of the corner of my window or corner of my eye and, uh, and I wait for it to go by and I'm like, where the hell did that car go? And now I don't know where it went. It turns out it like turned into a driveway or something while I was looking the other way. So, but I lose a car Okay, and it, it drives me a little crazy where I, I, I lose something. Uh, or one of the things that's been freaking me out lately is, you know, uh, out of the, the right hand side of your, uh, your vision, there's the post. Uh, of in the windows, yes, of your car, right? I'm afraid of losing something in that dead space. Yeah, like people have died because the car can fit in there at the right angle, at the right speed, at the right distance. Uh, you know, you can fit a whole fucking car in that dead spot if the sit uh, the situation is is exactly correct. I'm f- I'm right now lately. I've been a little worried about you know losing things in that dead spot and getting into an accident. Well. I think you'll be fine, but I mean, the, the more uh, aware you are and aware of things like that while you're driving, I think helps. Well, and I am, right? And yeah. I, I, and I tend to lo- I get uh, a little bit disconcerned when I, uh, uh, when I lose a car or lose a person, like if mm-hmm. somebody's walking down the street and I'm going to pull in, it's like, where the hell did that person go? They fell in, a they man, fell in a manhole probably. Well, they could have turned anywhere. They could have gotten <laughs> to a car. They changed directions, but uh, just my, my subconscious is tracking them. And then all of a sudden I want to make a choice, a, a conscious choice. And my subconscious goes, uh, dude, there's a person over there. All right. It's like, oh, where? Like, what the hell, guy? That person's gone. Like, are you sure that there's someone there? Or are you seeing things? Well, anyways, the woman seems to have this ability that you do not and knows what's going on, I guess. Yeah, she absolutely does. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the woman. It. I thought it was not great. I thought the school teachers acting was pretty bad to be honest and I also thought it was funny early on when you see the scenes in the school and there's I think they're supposed to be in high school and she's teaching them asking them questions like who can name another type of triangle and I'm like what are they in grade three (laughs) my son knows if he's five he probably knows what a scaling triangle is well name an equilateral one well yeah high school it's a little uh uh yeah, it was a little weird. It seemed like a little uh, basic for high school, but anyways, I don't know. Um, but that's just a random thought. I didn't think this movie was very good, but it because it took a lot of shortcuts, it, it didn't give me enough information early on. And I guess even though the sort of violence at the end was kind of entertaining and there was the surprise dog daughter, yeah, it, it didn't really work for me. It, I I think what I meant by silly is that I couldn't take this movie seriously uh, and I couldn't, and it wasn't even to the point where I could enjoy it as a farce or a comedy or kitschy even. It just, uh, it was too serious to be uh, farcical or comedic in any way, but I couldn't take it seriously. So it kind of felt, it fell in that, uh, that little section of the window in the car where you could lose something. The whole movie was in there and I couldn't quite see it out of the front window. Yeah. And it wasn't out of the side window. I'm like, where the fuck did the movie go? Well, I mean, and, and it has some potential, like there's, there's, there's a, an attempt in here at some themes, right? About how awful this guy is and the way he treats his family and, and things like that, but none of it lands because they just don't give us enough or they don't kind of take it seriously enough or they take it too seriously or something. I don't know. It's just, it's not very well done. 
Yeah, now. based on a book that uh, I now have no interest in reading, reading at all. Right, exactly. <laughs> Movie didn't even sell a book. <laughs> um, so Darlin is the sequel to this. And I got to admit, Jason, uh, I went into Darling going, all right, well, the woman wasn't very good. So, you know, what are we going to get with this second movie? And after watching it, I thought it was so much worse that it made the woman seem a little bit better to me, to be honest. Really? With you. I can tell you the best part of this movie. Well, the absolute best part of this movie. Well, let me read the plot summary first and then you can do that. Sure. From IMDb, a direct sequel to 2011's The Woman, found at a Catholic hospital filthy and ferocious, feral teenager Darlin is whisked off to a care home run by the bishop and his obedient nuns where she is to be tamed into a good girl. So at the end of The Woman, she has killed everybody except the pregnant daughter and the much younger daughter, whose name is Darlin. And, and the dog daughter. And the dog daughter, that's right. They all walk off into the forest together and, I guess, live their life in the forest. Darlin picks up a number of years later where the young girl has now become feral herself and we follow her as she's checked into this hospital and tried to be um, rehabilitated. Yeah. So what was the best part of this movie? Oh, it happened right at the beginning. It was, oh, shit, Jerry. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing to do with the movie, but hey, look, there's Jerry, Cooper Andrews. Yep. That's the best yeah. part. I, I didn't know he was in this, and I think it's just a fun coincidence that he is. He plays a pretty big role. He's not just like a cameo or a bit part. He's he's a main character in this film. Um but I would agree with you. It's like, hey, look, it's Jerry. And then I had to watch the rest of the movie, and boy, did I think it was awful. It was awful. Okay, so the, the first movie, or not the first movie, but The Woman was a, um, uh, you know, somebody's at the mercy of a uh, psychopathic murderer, rapist, asshole, shithead yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. that gets yeah. his comeuppance. This one is uh, Darlin is at the mercy of the Catholic Church uh, or their representatives let's say and uh, boy we need to get her away from the Catholic Church because uh, they're an evil organization uh, and they'll get their comeuppance in the end which they did. Mm -hmm. But I have no personal um, feelings about Catholicism and, you know, so I'm not really, uh, you know, I can look at the Catholic Church from an intellectual point of view and they don't make a lot of sense to me. And sure, they've got some institutional issues that they have to deal with, but uh, as something that is uh, rage inducing and uh, frustration inducing, I just, I don't have it. So again, the movie seemed kind of, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't really latch onto it from, from a church point of view, but it did have that guy from Mad Men and that was okay. Well, I didn't recognize anybody from Mad Men. The, the bishop was uh, one of the uh, oh. art directors from the first couple of seasons of Mad Men. Oh, really? All right. I'm, I I didn't know where I knew him from, if anywhere. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Catholic Church. I mean, they have some pretty serious institutional issues uh, in, in real life, of course. But this, I just, I, I don't know. Like, this is another movie here that I just felt like made very little sense and took tons of shortcuts to kind of get where it was going. Kind of like how I felt at the beginning of the, of the woman. Um, like the first one to me is this girl who is completely feral, can't 
speak or, you know, seems to have not been a part of civilized society at any point. She shows up at this place, they take her in, and in the first 20 minutes of the film, they've cleaned her all up and they have her in classes amongst other kids. And I'm going like, these people are delusional if they think they can rehabilitate this girl this quickly uh, or at all, even like, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, we need more here. We need to see the thought process of these people other than just, you know, we're going to prove the glory of God to everybody because the church can do this. That, that was the reasoning, I think. But that doesn't work for me. That's not enough for me. I'm like, you need to, I need to understand how and why and like how this is going to work. But they just like clean her up, put her in a class full of kids and, and we go from there. So, well, it's the, it's the evil railroading. Uh, same thing as the last movie, right? So we have yeah. the woman being, uh, you know, taken, kidnapped and put in a situation where she has no choice. This is the same thing, but at an institutional level rather than just a personal level. Yep. It's, uh, you know, a feral girl shows up at uh, a Catholic hospital. What do they do? They bring her to the girls' school uh, where uh, Catholic delinquents go, where, you know, uh, not orphans, but where parents don't want them. Something like uh, that, yeah. Something, whatever it is. Yep. But they, they just, uh, without any kind of uh, reaching out to any kind of authority, they just kind of like, okay, we're just going to drive her to the Catholic school. Uh, so they drive her over to this uh, Catholic uh, school and they uh, get her dressed up uh, and they're like, and then, okay, so we have the bishop who's uh, an evil bastard who wants her to take her clothes off and has a, a potential a possible sexual relationship with a nun uh, from the past, right? Yep. So he's evil. We've got the nun uh, that's teaching the class that is uh, forcing the girl to read from the Bible who probably doesn't know how to read, and you friggin' know that. Like, she's a feral girl that got picked up uh, at a uh, a hospital and been dumped in the Catholic school where everybody's expected to read from the Bible, and uh, you're going to get mad at her for not reading the passage that you want? Yeah. There's like seven things wrong with that. Nothing makes uh, sense. And then we have my favorite part of the whole Catholic Church thing is the uh, the cardinal of uh, of the area was there during the uh, the closing scene the uh, where everybody was being the uh, first communion or whatever the hell that was. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was the he was the the cardinal of uh, Boston or whatever whatever it was. Sure, he was just so ambivalent. He's like, yeah, fuck you, kind of thing. His, <laughs> his attitude was, go screw yourself. I uh -huh. don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. He is my favorite because he was just a uh, you know uh, an icon of the apathetic, uh, functional, perfunctory church uh, leadership. Yeah, it just it was, it was hilarious. It was anyway, it was pretty funny. Uh, so. We and then we have the uh, the students of this of the school who are uh, prisoners. Like, uh, are they are they prisoners? Because there's the twins whose mother didn't want them. Uh, they uh, and they went through a whole thing of uh, my uh, our mother tried to cause an abortion or uh, miscarriage a number of ways, drinking bleach and yeah, taking right. laxatives and throwing themselves down the stairs. <laughs> right. Mama tried it all. We're still here. Uh huh. Uh, okay. Well, why are you in the Catholic? Because your mom didn't want you, and she uh, was Catholic, so she uh, didn't want to have an abortion and was unable to cause a miscarriage. So. Is that why you're here? I think so. I think so, yeah. That's why. Okay. Anyway, uh, I didn't understand the school. 
uh, I didn't understand the uh, uh, the Catholic stuff. Everybody in in uh, this depicted everybody in the Catholic Church as an evil bastard, right? And they needed to because we needed to be on board with murdering everybody at the end. Yeah, basically, we need to be on board with what they're trying to do. But I just never was, and for all those reasons. But again, also because I just didn't see how these people could make the decisions that they were making. Like even Cooper Andrews, like he immediately seems to have a rapport with this girl, Darlin', that they've brought in. I'm like, it doesn't happen that fast. It wouldn't happen that fast. I want to see a little bit more of the process if you're going to do this. Now, that's not what you're going to get in this kind of movie, I guess, right? It's just get to the good stuff and then get to the horrifying stuff and have a, you know, a birth in a church at the end. Why not? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but I, there, I just, there was I also a, oh, go ahead. I don't believe it. Like it made me think I, okay, I don't believe that this girl was feral her whole life. And we almost kind of know that anyways, because she walked away with darling as a, I don't know, or, or with the woman as like a six year old or something at the end of the last movie. So she yep. did have a few good quote, good years there. <laughs> Um, but I also just don't believe how everyone's interacting with her and it, none of it, none of that worked for me. It didn't make a lot of sense. No. The, and the other thing that didn't make sense to me was that, uh, Cooper Andrews, uh, Jerry or whatever his character's name was, not Jerry probably, but he was in a same sex relationship, uh, as a, uh, a nurse at a Catholic hospital. With, with they the were nurse, yep. yep. Yeah. So, uh, he was surprisingly open in that situation, which was uh, a little bit odd. Was that odd? I, 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 I mean, that's great and everything, yeah. but, uh, you know, for th- what they were trying to portray in this movie about Catholic church being bad, uh, the fact that they were surprisingly open in, uh, inside the Catholic hospital, uh, kind of just seemed a little odd. It, it seemed odd for the film. Uh, great for real life. Let's oh yeah, absolutely. Way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so uh, overall, I mean, I, I just didn't really get this one either. And to be honest, the woman in this movie does not feel like the same woman from the first movie called The Woman. <laughs> no, she wasn't feral. She was just dirty and didn't talk a whole lot. Didn't talk. Wasn't the same. I mean, we see her uh, kill a police officer and then take his glasses and gun and basically as a disguise. And I'm like, a feral person does not do that. They don't, they don't put on a disguise like that. That means something, she's something else. Uh, we see her drinking from the wine bottle, living with that group of like homeless people or <laughs> under the yeah. bridge, whoever they were, you know, and just nobody reacts to her in a believable way. And I don't think as a feral person, she reacts to anyone else in a believable way. So if that's what we're supposed to know about her or believe based on the first movie, none of that makes sense in this movie. She's not behaving the way that I expected her to. And it was a huge disconnect between the two for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, even like she uses an, there's a scene at the beginning where she uses a knife to kill a homeless guy. I'm not sure I even understand why that was in the film, but I'm like, now she's using a knife instead of just reaching into their chest and pulling their heart out. <laughs> well, uh, Pollyanna McIntosh, the woman, uh, the first the scene that she was in, in The Woman, she had a big-ass knife. That's what she attacked the wolf with. Oh, that's true. Okay, fine. The knife may, the, okay, the so knife may track. The knife is in. The knife is in. 
how about this? Later on in the movie, she goes into the baby store and she's just kind of lurking around and then she finds the newspaper, which she seems to understand. She saw the picture. It was the picture. I was like, does she know how to read? Well, it no. doesn't matter because there's a picture of the feral lady, uh, the feral girl, Darlin, on the newspaper. So she knows how to recognize faces. Okay. I think the newspaper's in. Okay, newspaper in. Is going into the baby store in? Like that seems- No, baby store is bad. Uh, you know, she needs a baby carrier. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's unnecessary for the closing shot and everything, but- uh, it's not, I don't think it's something like, how does she know about baby stores? How, how does she know right. about, uh, how do you like, uh, I've, I've had a baby. I would not have put one of those things on. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, not without some help the first time, maybe, you know? Well, you know, I, I, we never used one, yeah. right? Like we never used one with Jasper. So, uh, I, I, you know, I it's just, it's not instinctual. It's something you have to be taught or learn sure. or follow instructions or figure out. It's not just something you do. Uh, you know, it's not like a gun where you just pick it up and shoot. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. That doesn't work either, but no. Anyways, I, I thought the whole, like, she's just walking around town, goes in the baby store. She's this feral, dirty woman who doesn't speak. Like it it was stupid. Putting on the sunglasses after killing the cop, I thought was stupid. Like she wouldn't do that. So doesn't even feel like the same woman. And then ultimately, yeah, we get this scene at the end where, um, the uh, Darlin is pregnant, right? And uh, delivers the baby. And then the woman takes the baby in the carrier and walks off. So in a way, the movie ends in a similar way where she leaves with another child. And I guess we're going to get another film where that kid grows up and something yeah. happens. Who the hell the knows? The saga continues. That's right. Right. So just before we wrap it up here, Jason, I mean, we should actually talk about Pollyanna McIntosh herself. Uh, and how she okay. performed in these films, because it is a rather unusual acting assignment, I think. She really has no lines in either movie, and she just has to kind of act feral the whole time, more so in the first one, and just covered in mud and blood and whatever else all the time. Is this? Do you think this is challenging for an actor, or is this easier than like actually acting lines? I don't know if it's easy, but it sounds like a lot of fun for an actor fun right you're looking for roles like this right you're looking for something interesting you're looking for characters you can inhabit uh you know uh, the challenge of having to portray uh emotion without being able to speak i think uh, i think this would be this would be fun for an actor but isn't it just kind of a very narrow range of emotion it's like rage all the time uh well i don't know yeah i'm just saying i don't know like maybe this is really difficult to do or not. And I'm not trying to say she was bad. I think she was fine. I think she did a great job actually in these films. Uh, you know, I didn't like Darlin and she wrote and directed it. So eh, maybe, maybe you could use a little, uh, practice there, but the performance of the woman, I think seemed fine. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it to me feels like a rather unique or unusual acting, uh, thing to have to do. But it's, I'm sure it's not the only time someone has had to play a character like this. I don't know. Uh, I would give you, now that I think on it, uh, she's the only character in either one of these movies that made a dis- made any decisions that made any sense whatsoever. Uh, so first of all, she didn't have a lot of choice in the first movie uh, about anything. She was kidnapped and sexually assaulted and raped and abused and uh, all that kind of stuff. But as soon as she got free, her decision was to murder everybody. That makes sense. 
It does. <laughs> These yeah. people are awful. Uh, they should all die. Right. I got no problem with that. So I think from a an agency point of view, or a you know, a, you know, being able to make decisions uh, that make sense, that she's the only one. And actually, everybody else doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, that actually is a good point. Like she is the one who was captive, got away, and regained her her agency, and was able to, uh, yeah, make a decision that seems like it makes sense based on her experience. So. I guess successfully if you look at, commit murder and eat a heart. I guess if you look at it that way, I mean there that there's a positive to take away from these films. Awesome. <laughs> Maybe the only one, but you know, there you go. So I'm not gonna go back and watch Offspring. I don't think I'm interested in that. But if you do, let me know how it goes. I'd be curious. Yeah, I was just talking. I don't think I'm gonna watch it. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Alrighty, well, if you have any thoughts on either The Woman or Darlin, uh, or I guess Pollyanna McIntosh in general, uh, send us an email. Let us know. Okay, before we wrap up for the night here, uh, Jason, I want to send a couple of thank yous out to some people who have recently become patrons at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. That would be new patrons Kat J, Megan F, and Gloria L. Thank you to all three of you so much for becoming patrons. We really, really appreciate it. And of course, just as a reminder, now that we're right there, we're right up to the new Walking Dead, we are going to resume our season 11 episode by episode prize giveaway with episode nine. And our first prize for episode nine is a Daryl Dixon throw pillow. So if that sounds interesting to you, and I know it does to some of you, Sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead, and you have a pretty good chance of being randomly selected as a prize winner. Maybe not in uh, next week on episode nine, but as we go, we're going to select one for every episode. So I recommend you do that. There's some good stuff coming up. All right, Chris, you're going to have to paint me a word picture on the Daryl Dixon throw pillow. Does, uh, uh, does it have uh, Daryl Dixon's image on it? It does not. It has a image that says Daryl with his uh, um, angel wing jacket sort of behind his name. I, I'm, I'm showing it to Jason on the camera, everyone, which I know is riveting, but uh, I hope you got a good, <laughs> good uh, view of it there. <laughs> okay. So I was just wondering if it was like, uh, you know, something you could uh, cuddle up with Norman Reedus with, but it doesn't sound like it. Unfortunately not, no, but his name is there and you, you can always pretend it is a throw pillow. And it's, uh, um, yeah, it says Daryl on it and has his wings. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty good uh, prize for somebody next week. All right. So there's, there's a lot of merchandise out there. If you're looking for uh, a Norman Reedus uh, body pillow to cuddle up with at night, uh, there's probably a good chance that you have one already. <laughs> there probably is. Yeah, there is. I'm going to I'm gonna look that for that on Amazon later. <laughs> hey, man, my wife's birthday's coming up. I need something for her. Yeah. Well, you know what my wife asked for for her birthday? No. Pink drill. What? Like a, like a power drill that's pink? Like a power drill that's pink. I don't know. Fine. <laughs> that's weird, man. It's a little weird, but, you know. <laughs> but why <fine>. not? <laughs> did they make pill drinks in, oh my God, did they make drills in pink? <laughs> yeah. Amazon, overnight. It's coming tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> It's already on the way. All right. Well, that's fantastic. I want to see a picture of her using it someday. Sure. And then a picture of you using it. Fine. I like pink. I had a pink bike for a, it was one of the best bikes I ever had. 
It was, uh, it, had, uh, it was BMX, and it had, uh, you know, the, remember the pads that used to be on the crossbar and on the handlebars sure, yeah. and stuff? So it was pink pads. The uh, the wheels, that, uh, you remember the BMX bikes that had uh, the plastic five big thick spoke plastic wheels? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they were pink, and uh, it had pink handle grips and uh, pink uh, brake levers. Everything was pink. It was fucking great. I love that bike. Well, that sounds very cool. and. When your wife said pink drill, I hope she meant a pink drill. <laughs> oh, I see. Shit, I completely missed that. <laughs> Me too, until just now. So uh, okay, All I'll right. let that noodle around in your brain for a minute. Damn Anyways. It. Bought the wrong thing. You may have, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you to you new patrons. And uh, if you want to get in on the action, go to patreon.com slash the talking dead. All right. That's it for this podcast, everyone. Our next show, like I've said, will be about season 11, episode 9 of The Walking Dead. Um, I super look forward to it. All of the marketing that AMC has been putting out, it's kind of funny. As of right now, they're saying it returns in a week, which is only partly true because in a week, it'll be on AMC+. Plus. In two weeks, it'll be on AMC regular. So uh, those of you with AMC+, Plus, you've only got a few days less than a week before you can watch it. The rest of the world sees it later on, and we will be covering it once it's aired on normal AMC. So a couple weeks for us, but uh, it's coming pretty soon. Coming pretty soon. I've, I've heard some exciting things about episode nine. It's been cool. released to critics, and they've, you know, tweeted out some, uh, you know, uh, cryptic kind of thoughts on this episode. Critical response. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cryptic critical response. <laughs> All right. So that's coming up and uh, it's going to be awesome. In the meantime, though, if you want to get in touch, everybody, you can do that by visiting talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top of the page. You can record a message that will get sent right into us. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for the show, everyone. Talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.